Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Left of Straight Show with your host, Scott Fullerton, as we discuss everything under the rainbow sun, from LGBT issues to foodies, entertainment to books. Join us as we talk to some of the most interesting leaders and celebrity LGBT guests and allies on the internet. So grab a cocktail, it's always happy hour somewhere, and enjoy the show. Now, here's your host, Scott Fullerton. Well, howdy, 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 everybody. Welcome to Left of Straight Show, guys. It is June 24th, 2020, a beautiful hump day Wednesday here in Northeast Ohio. I hope your midweek is treating you well and you're ready to slide into the weekend. I have a jam-packed show for you today. I am your host, of course, Scott Fullerton, and helping me in the studio today are my two fantastic interns. We have David and Hannah. We're pushing buttons for me in there today, so a good show ahead. I have lots of stuff going on today. In just a couple of minutes, we're going to play our regular Wednesday Pop Culture Minute with our guests Jeff and Josh and their J&J Buzz all the way from Nashville, Tennessee. And then I have two amazing live interviews for you today. First up is going to be Carl Schmidt. He's actually a a newscaster, a special correspondent for KABC7 Television in LA, the ABC News affiliate there. And he is going to be part of a huge three-hour Pride celebration in Los Angeles this weekend. It's being advertised in primetime on Channel 7. He's going to be one of the hosts for that. So he's going to come in and talk about his life. He has an amazing story. He's from Australia. He has an amazing accent. And we're going to talk to him for a while first, uh, find out what's going on with the Big Pride Festival uh, this weekend on television and his career a bit. And then my second interview today is also a live interview. And it's going to be with Matt Rebikoff. And Matt is an entrepreneur out of New Orleans. He's a straight ally. And he has started his own little clothing company and has really been knocking it out of the park down there and giving back to a lot of great charities. And we're going to talk to him about the inspiration for his business and all the things that he's been doing really, really cool. He's just been killing it on social media and with his company. He's called Mr. Eatwell is the name of his company and clothing line. So it's going to be a fun-filled day here on the Left of Straight show. As far as going on the news, I'm getting ready for the Big Gay Road road Trip. I can't speak today. Rented lips. Sorry about that. We're going to be leaving a week from this Sunday, July 5th. I'll be heading out of here in Northeast Ohio and heading to Palm Springs, California for four weeks of live shows. So I'll be traveling the northern route there because, you know, COVID's going crazy in Texas and Arizona and everything, so I'm not going south. But I'll be heading up north and driving cross-country to get to Palm Springs. 
uh, going over and trying to find my own little virtual pride tour, stopping by some great LGBTQ locations across the country, talking to a couple of the local people there in the community and talk about what they're doing for virtual pride this year since most prides have been canceled. So that'll be a fun road trip on the way over. I'm going to stop by my best friend's uh, house in Vegas on the way there and check out the LGBT scene there. Of course, our good friend Randy Slavacek from the Randy Report lives out there. So we'll be spending a little time with him. And I will get into Palm Springs on July 12th, and we will start all of our shows on Monday, July 13th. We'll be doing three live shows a week from Palm Springs at the resort there, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Thursday, Friday are going to be pre-taped or repeat shows because I'm going to be getting my little happy butt into L.A. on those days and doing some different things with the community over there. So that'll be for four weeks, and then the last show will be August 12th, and I'll be driving back home to Ohio and hoping that COVID's under control because I really want to take a southern route home, head over towards Nashville and see a couple of our special correspondents there, uh, go over and visit our friends at the Park Ridge Lodge in Gatlinburg, Tennessee, and just uh, check out a couple different things on the way uh, home. So we'll see how that goes. It's going to be an exciting trip, and you're going to want to follow it along. So be sure you're following social media. You can follow me at, at Left of Straight Show at Twitter and Instagram. That's at L-E-F-T-O-F. STR and the number eight and our great interns we posting along the way as well. You can follow them at Instagram at, at left of straight radio spelled the same with radio on the end. Also on Facebook, there's the left of straight show page and you can send me over a friend request, Scott Fullerton. I have a public profile there and I will uh, take your friend request unless you turn out to be weird and then we're not friends anymore. So be sure to follow along for that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have some giveaways, some prizes throughout the trip, and special giveaways from our guests that will be down in Palm Springs with us. Have a lot of really fun people confirmed. So that's going to be a good time had by all. But let's get ready to jump into the show today. Uh, We're going to start it off with our J&J Buzz Pop Culture Minute from our friends and contributors Jeff and Josh, a fantastic couple that are engaged down in Nashville, Tennessee. So let's go ahead and play a little Jeff and Josh, J&J Buzz. And when we come back, we're going to have our first live interview with Mr. Carl Schmidt. Back in a second. You are listening to Josh and Jeff on J&J Buzz. Exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network. Now, live from Nashville, Tennessee, here's Josh and Jeff. <laughs> what is up, y'all? Okay, so welcome to J&J Buzz. I'm Josh, and meow. <laughs> bad news, Jeff isn't here. But don't worry, he's on vacation with his mom and sis, and I could blame it all on him for not, you know, doing his job, but it's actually my fault because I forgot to remind him, and that's my job is to remind him of everything. (laughs) I'm just kidding, but never worry, we're engaged, he ain't quitting this job or me. I I mean, at least I, I hope not. I mean, 
I mean, why would he quit? Why would he quit this job or or quit me? I mean, are you serious? What are y'all saying? I was secure until this podcast. Ah, Jeffrey, if you're listening, I love you. We need you back. I miss you. Don't quit. Goodness. They'll just go crazy on you. All right, so uh, the headlines this week. Zillow and Trulia have added LGBT non-discrimination laws to their listing. I I think that's pretty cool. How did they do it? They introduced a filter that allows users to search for rental and for sale properties by legal protection for the LGBT community. And I think that's cool. I mean, who... Uh, who would have thought of that? Well, them. Okay, that's why they run in their stuff, and it's not me because I wouldn't even thought about that. But I think it's great. And if you're in the, the market for, you know, a home or a rental property, I guess that's the way to go. So check out Zillow and Trulia for what they're doing during Pride. That's pretty cool, eh? Also, Supreme Court. What a win last week. I mean, it was just a sweeping decision from justices that we'd never expect. Two Republican appointees helped the court kind of tilt it to a 6-3 victory. It was Neil Gorsuch and John Roberts who joined the Democratic appointees to decide that uh, there should be protection for gay, lesbian, transgender employees from being disciplined, fired, or turned down. For a job based on sexual orientation. I mean, that is a no-brainer almost, I think, but I guess not because it had to go to the Supreme Court. Anyway, it's a good win, and we're happy to have the right side of judges join the left side during Pride Month for this big announcement. And finally... Did you see Britney Spears make uh, release her big Pride Month video celebrating really all of us and uh, saying she had some of the best nights with the queers? Woohoo! And then her hot, uh, well, her boyfriend, I didn't say hot, Jeffrey, if you're listening, I did not say hot. That was technical errors. Anyway, her boyfriend Sam interrupted her and she had to yell, baby, be quiet! So she could finish, and then she made a cute face. Anyway, it's cute as hell, and it is on her Instagram, at Britney Spears. (laughs) Y'all, happy Pride. I'm Josh. Jeff's not here, but that's Jeff. And this is J&J Buzz. This was J&J Buzz, exclusively on Left of Straight Radio Network. All righty, friends, we are back. A big shout-out to our buddies in Nashville, Jeff and Josh. Of course, Jeff is on a little bit of vacation, so Josh had to handle solo duties today. But let's jump right into the program, guys. I'm so excited to have my first guest on the show. He is a host and producer who's been seen around the world at major red carpet international events, such as the Royal Wedding Live for TLC, the host of Logo TV's Operation Vacation for two seasons. He's provided entertainment and Hollywood news for British Morning Television. And since 2013, he's been a regular part of the ABC7 team in Los Angeles, both hosting and producing their on-the-red carpet show, as well as other featured shows, segments, and reporting. 
This Saturday, he's going to be working with the team to bring the three-hour L.A. Pride 50th anniversary celebration to primetime TV in L.A., 8 to 11 Pacific time. A little bit later here in the East Coast, but I'll be catching it with some of the streaming options available. I can't wait to talk to him all about that in his career, so please welcome to the Leftist Race Show for the very first time, the handsome and charming Mr. Carl Schmidt. Carl, how are you? Oh, Scott Fullerton, you are too kind, way too kind. I'm well, thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me on Left of Straight Radio. This is a real treat. Well, I am so excited to have you um, direct from L.A. via um, so many places we'll talk about in just a second. How are you holding up there in uh, COVID times, my friend? I mean, this is a new time for broadcast media for sure. Do you have a degree in technology yet are you using the green screen for virtual date nights in hawaii how you doing well i'm glad you asked um i'm the worst person with technology and i take my hats off to everyone who is smart and works in this field because i'm a complete nincompoop when it comes to it um i have learned <laughs> a whole lot of news a whole lot of new skills thanks to the amazing patience of of my bosses at kbc here in los angeles because uh, you know, what, what takes most people about five minutes takes me about five hours. Um, and I'm not good with spelling, so I'm always terrified that I'm going to make and quite often do terrible spelling mistakes and post things <laughs> online. So I'm, I, I'm getting, you know, what are we, I, I don't know where we are. How long has it been? Has it been three months, four months? I've lost track. But I, I've Three years? About, I don't know. <laughs> I know. Well, I was talking with a colleague earlier today, and we were saying, who remembers April 20th? Doesn't that seem like a long time ago? But I'm getting the hang of it. Um, I'm here in my apartment in, in Los Angeles, in West Hollywood, and, uh, you know, we, we're doing what we can. I have to say, the social and, and, uh, uh, and physical distancing, as we, we, we're supposed to call it now, that doesn't bother me so much. I've been practicing that since I was about five, so I'm okay with that. But, <laughs> but I, am, I am getting a little frustrated and upset um, with people's lack of ability to just wear a face mask. That, that's driving right? me slowly mental, and as, as, the, as the rates climb, especially sadly in here in California uh, and places like Texas and other states, it, it's really upsetting. I, I just... I, I don't understand. Maybe it's because I'm a foreigner. I just don't understand if the professionals and the scientists say, if you wear the mask and stay six feet apart, we'll get through this thing real quick. Look at New Zealand. Look at countries in Europe. And I know people will say, look at their population sizes. But it is interesting to me. They beat this thing. And here we are, the greatest country on the planet and we just won't wear a mask because somebody told us we should. I tell you, we wear pants. I wear pants. I don't <laughs> want to wear pants. I wear pants. I wear shoes. I, I don't get it. But, but beyond that, um, you can't complain when you're living in beautiful Southern California all that much. There you go. I understand that. Let's go into a little background before we start talking work. Um, I've often said on the show that I'm a vagabond. I think I've lived in three time zones, six states, and like 23 cities. But, sir, to you, I am not worthy. You have European-born parents, born in Australia, raised part-time in Fiji, and that's all before your senior year in New Zealand and you started traveling. Where do you consider home, and what kind of a kid were you growing up? Uh, I consider Los Angeles home now. 
And uh, it's funny, this December, it'll be 12 years that I've lived here. And that's the longest I have ever lived anywhere in my <laughs> life. Uh, and, and I turned 40 in September. So that gives you, gives you an idea of things. Um, what kind of kid was I growing up? It might surprise people. I was somewhat shy, um, but always quite headstrong. You know, uh, having parents that were, were immigrants themselves as children to Australia and being first-generation Australian, um, you know, my, my parents were pretty, you know, come from, from, you know, mother's Hungarian, father's Austrian. They immigrated to Australia uh, in the 50s. It wasn't a good time to be from a country like Austria back then, post-war. Mm. Yeah, my dad was called a Nazi, even though he wasn't German or a Nazi. Um, and anyone who sounded different was considered the enemy. Uh, funny how things right. perhaps haven't changed so much. But, but, uh, but, but that made us all quite headstrong and determined. They were determined to succeed. And, and I, I get that from them. I have two older brothers. One is uh, a fantastic, talented pilot and the other one is an an extremely talented actor both are great dads and then there's me so um you know i I think i was headstrong but but also a kid who enjoyed growing up pre the internet and cell phones and social media there you go i like it and we are celebrating pride month uh talk to me a little bit about um your coming out when did you come out to yourself and when did you kind of first feel like you found your LGBTQ tribe? Oh, well, good question. Um, I think I sort of have always um, known and, and somewhat accepted. I never lied about my sexuality as far as in, in the growing up stages. I, I just chose not to answer questions about it. Um, but I guess, I, I guess the, the acceptance of me being a gay man really came about when I was 18 years old. Um, And that's also when I came out to my parents. I was out to some friends before that. And uh, and look, I think it's a work in progress when we talk about accepting ourselves. Um, You know, for that part of my life, I I accepted my sexuality and embraced it. But then life throws you challenges and all kinds of things. You know, I was diagnosed HIV positive when I had just turned 27. That took me 10 years to, to accept and embrace. So we are, we're all in progress, rather. But, um, but yeah, you know, again, my parents quite liberal. My family very accepting. I'm very, very lucky to, you know, I remember coming out rather dramatically in front of my mother, to my mother, in front of her mother, my grandmother. Uh, and I remember saying it in using some not very polite language in how I explained <laughs> myself to my, to my mother and I, who, were, who, we, who have a wonderful relationship, but can, uh, when, when we decide to get into it in a heavy, heated conversation, we both dig our heels in. So it was one stubborn person versus the other, and who was going to win it? I, I think I won that night. But I remember saying rather rudely, what would you like to know? And I'm a, and, and I said that, and my... <laughs> My Hungarian, my Hungarian grandmother stood there and, and in a very heavy accent and said, oh, well, yeah, so what? Um, and, and, and that was followed quickly by my father saying, who cares? So 
I, I know I'm I'm extremely lucky in the, in that. And but yeah, I've right. been living as a out and proud gay man, queer member of the LGBTQ plus community since I was 18. So <clears throat> a long time. Fantastic. Well, that is something to celebrate as we celebrate Big Virtual Pride this weekend. Let's go through your career a bit. I mean, you you started out as an actor relatively young. I know you did both uh, musicals and regular television and then kind of left it when you did your gap year and came back. You actually worked with Dame Edna Everidge. What is that all about? I'm excited about that. Well, well, Dame Edna is a very special woman and, you know, an icon in Australia, as is her manager, Barry Humphreys. Um, and and I'm, I'm very lucky to have been a student of, of Dr. Barry Humphreys over the years um, <laughs> and, also, and also be taken under Dame Edna's wing. Um, it's a bit of a blessing and a curse. She taught me some wonderful habits. She may have taught me a, cute, a couple of cheeky, naughty ones too, um, but we won't get into that. But, but um, no, I mean, I, I, I had, gosh, I mean, Barry Humphreys and I started working together in, in 2002. Um, we still have a relationship. Uh, I started as a personal assistant for him and stuck with it. And, and the last job I did for him, I was executive producing an arts document, documentary for him for European television. Um, I, I owe a great amount of my career and who I am as a man um, and, and the talents. Well, I guess some people might say talent. Some people might say not so much. But, but what I've learned <laughs> and how I do it and how, and how I do my job, I, I owe an extraordinary amount to, to Barry Humphreys and his creation, Dame Edna, and even his other lesser known in America creation, Sir Les Patterson. Um, he's a wonderful, talented man and an absolute genius. And uh, I, I was very lucky to spend as many years as close as I worked with him uh, as I did. Um, I love yeah. hearing that. That's like basically Dame Edna was Australia's RuPaul, right? Kind of broke the door down for a lot of that. Well, well, yeah. I mean, she was, she was, she, and still is in many ways, the first person, a uh, female character that really came out and, and, solidified as a character. Um, you know, Barry doesn't refer to it as drag, and, and I certainly don't see Dame Edna the character as drag. I mean, she is a fully no, yeah. formed character. Um, and look, she's got a Tony Award and numerous other big awards to prove it. Um, and again, I was lucky enough to take take both Barry and Dame Edna to Broadway and, and, and work on those shows. Um, and and he's, just, he's just a genius. But but yeah, you know, he created this character, gosh, back in the 50s, um, and she's still around. I think that is somewhat of a record for a, a comic character. Um, but yeah, paves the way. I mean, you look at you look at television now, and you look at what you're going to see um, in in Pride and Prime Pride and Prime Time on Saturday night here in Los Angeles on ABC Seven. We've got a great um, a, a contribution from drag queens throughout the three hours that we're live on the show, live on the air. Um, and you look at RuPaul and you look at others, Lily Savage in the UK, Dame Edna really opened not so much the door, but set an example, I guess, um, and gave people the courage to explore that side of who they are um, and, and create these wonderful, fantastic characters that we now absolutely love and adore. 
Well said, and and well on both of them for creating that, exactly. Well, let's go into a little closer to the present here. I mean, you got to Los Angeles, I think, around 2008, started working for TV Guide Network. Uh, Talk about your first kind of foray into U.S. entertainment. What was that like, a big transition, same old, same old? Um, It was sort of fly by the seat of my pants. It actually happened before I even moved here. I... uh... I had come over. I was. I used to travel a lot to the states with with Dave Edna and Barry Humphreys, and um, I'd, I'd come to LA quite a lot and made friends here. And a few of them had said, "Well, you should try hosting again." And you know, I was on New Zealand television uh, from the age of fifteen until I was eighteen, working on a show that's still on the air. Actually, celebrates its fortieth birthday next year. Called What Now which was a weekend Nickelodeon-esque kind of three-hour live television show, cartoons and gunge and competition and some phone. So I, I sort of had these great years doing that, and then I left it all and went and did a gap in the travel. And I'd sort of given up on it. I, I, I'd lost the hunger because it, it mm. takes hunger and determination. And I, I just wanted to do something else. And, but it was doing trips back and forth, and, and I ended up having a meeting with then TV Guide Network, and they reached out to me, and I was still in London at the time, and they said, look, there's a big James Bond uh, premiere coming up called Quantum of Solace. Um, we'd like you to be our UK guy, and the premiere is happening in London. So we're sending a crew over. Would you be interested? And yeah, I'd love to. And what was meant to be just me covering the red carpet for them turned into me hosting a 90-minute special for them. Uh, and then, lo and behold, a month later, I moved out here to Los Angeles, and for the first little while, um, yeah, TV Guide Network was great to me. They really sort of gave me my first taste of how to work on television in the States. Um, and again, I learned a lot, and I learned a lot on the fly. So I was really lucky. And then I moved on to sort of behind the scenes with, at, at TLC in, in their content in their development department. Um, and that led to relationships that uh, that still exist today that ended up allowing me to have two seasons of my own TV show on Logo, allowing me, as you said in the intro there, to be part of the hosting team for the Royal Wedding when Will and Kate got married. Um, and that collaboration actually exists, that my first boss is now my producing partner on a project called Plus Life, um, which which we're, you know, changing the, the way people look and talk about HIV and AIDS. So it's it's been, I, touch wood, it's been a, a pretty good almost 12 years here in LA and, and I, I wouldn't swap it for anything. That's fantastic. And I got to tell you, I mean, reporting is hard work. There's lots of locations and strange hours and not always the most interesting topics, but personally, I think hosting and red carpets, a pretty damn hard gig and you pull it off brilliantly. You have such a short time with all these people going through how do you approach going into that? I mean, it's a whole different animal as far as what I can see from the outside. Well, thank you for acknowledging that. I mean, I'm really lucky that I landed on my feet at, at a place like KABC Channel 7 here in Los Angeles. When I joined the company, uh, the show On the Red Carpet was a weekly show, uh, sort of a recap of all the red carpets and things. And, and fortunately, was, syndic- was picked up for syndication by ABC while I was there. So we, we had a good time producing a weekly nationally syndicated show. Um, and, and I 
will never forget on my uh, on my sort of first day going in for my first assignment, Pam Chan, uh, my boss said to me, "Just remember, this is not about this is not about you. The interviews are not about you." Such simple, but such great advice because I get on those red carpets today and I get to work alongside absolute legends like George Pinocchio, um, who is known right. in California as our entertainment guru, although I rather cheekily call him Georgie Boy, uh, but only <laughs> I can get away with that. Um, but, but it's not about us, the people asking the questions. It's about the talent. It's about their film. It's about their cause. It's about whatever it is they're to, they're to sell. And something I'm very proud of that we do at ABC7 and, and we do it on the red carpet especially is we really focus on sort of the, whether it's the, the film, the TV show, the piece of music, the charity. That's what we're there to talk about. I mean, it's fun to get the salacious gossip. It's fun to get a scoop. And by all means, if that comes out while we're doing an interview, great. But I don't really care about the size of the engagement ring or, you know, what was found in the trash can. Um, and I think that's right. what really sets us apart from other shows. And I, I'm very respectful of that. And I, I hope that that's what endears what we do it on the red carpet um, to publicists and talent alike, that they know that they can have a chat with us and trust us, that we're not there to get, you know, the, sure, we like the viral moment, but we're not there to get the scoop and the dirty gossip. We're really there to promote and, and celebrate what it is that they've created. And, and that's a nice feeling. Exactly. And, and like I said, you do it so well. And you're also there. I mean, this is the time where they're all anxious to begin with, whether it's an award show they may or may not be up for or just kind of trying to get through the entire thing. You have a lot of nerves on their part. So it's nice to see a comforting face when they see your reputation with you doing this for so many years and doing it so great. It's got to be a little bit of a comfort to them as well, I would think, by now. Well, again, thank you for saying that because I don't ever consider myself as having a quote-unquote reputation as someone who's done all of this. I just, I just get up and do my job, um, and I don't really think too much about all of that. So I appreciate the compliment. And, yeah, I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. It's not going to help us to have, you know, an A-lister or, or a celebrity or an artist uptight and nervous. That's not going to work for us. And, and it comes up across on screen. The last thing I want to do is present something uncomfortable for the talent and more importantly for our audience. It doesn't, it doesn't work. And it's also not interesting. Like I go into these things and I think, what would I be interested in hearing about from this person? Yes. Again, there's that sort of gossip side of things, but I, I kind of go at it from, I saw the movie or I like this or I like that. Tell me more about how that happened. Cause I find that interesting. And I think if the talent knows and can tell that you are actually genuinely interested in what they have to say, that immediately makes life a lot easier instead of them being on guard thinking, what are they going to try and get out of me? Right, right. No, very well said. I like All right, well, I want to move on so we can get over to the big event on Saturday, but I do want to talk to you. I mean, I go down a rabbit hole for uh, research, Carl. I love talking to guests, entertainment especially, but you have a remarkable coming out story of another kind that you kind of mentioned earlier. It, you were firmly entrenched in your career. You thought about posting your HIV status one day. 
that it'd be a non-issue because you had already been a non-issue with family and friends. And then bingo, you're on national news overnight. You got to promise to come back and talk about that entire story because it really is fascinating. But two of the things I love you have done since then is you've really kind of concentrated on giving back to talking about things that are important, like you equals you, and you've made this amazing plus life platform that you've created. So I want to delve into those two things first, and we're going to have to have you back for your story. Talk about you equals you first, because I think in Pride, it's very important that we understand what it's like um, as, as LGBTQ. It's important to realize that there is, we have a sexual act aspect to our lives and we have our personal aspects, no different than anyone else's, but these HIV stigma that comes around us can really be daunting. Talk about what U equals U means and how we can start to get around the stigma. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, U equals U is really basic and straightforward. The U is, at the first U stands for undetectable, equals, as in equals, and the last U untransmittable or untransmissible where you're from, depending. Um, and it's really simple. It's saying if you're HIV positive and you take your medicine, you can get your viral load to what is considered undetectable. That is to say that if you go and get your blood tested, the level of the virus in your blood is so low, it's not detectable. If you can get to that, which most people, in fact, pretty much all people, who can get access to the medicine can do if they stay on the medicine and follow it like they should. And there is zero risk of uh, transmission of the virus sexually to a partner. Um, zero risk. They have done studies over the course of years. Thousands of people, um, serodiscordant couples, that is that one is HIV positive, one is HIV negative. They have uh, had sex um, and of every single person, an HIV positive and an HIV negative, where one is undetectable and the other uh, is, is healthy and negative, there has not been a single reported case of transmission. So much so that the CDC and our good friend and who I would call a true American hero, Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, who has become a household name, um, that he his colleagues at the National Institute of uh, Allergies and Infectious Diseases, uh, Dr. Robert at, at the CDC, World Health Organization, they have all gone on record and said unequivocally, if you have an undetectable viral load, you cannot transmit the virus. And this is huge news because it breaks down that stigma that someone like myself living with HIV is dangerous somehow. And it's absolute nonsense. There is no scientific evidence to back it up. We have uh, laws in this country and in other countries around the world that still criminalize people like me for not disclosing their HIV status. Um, and, and what it does is, is this stigma, this dangerous stigma, creates an environment where people stick their head in the sand. They don't want to know. It's better that they don't know. You know what? There are a lot of men in this country who have sex with men. They don't consider themselves gay. They have wives. They have girlfriends. That's fine. Maybe they're bisexual. They, maybe they just occasionally like to experience sex with a man, whatever. But they think this is a gay man's disease predominantly for white gay men. It's just not 
the case. And as long as right. people think that I'm dangerous, you run into people going, oh, I don't want to get tested. I don't want to know. Look, Dr. Tony Fauci has said to me, and, and I, I actually interviewed Dr. Fauci this morning. Um, we had a long chat about COVID and HIV together. But this man Amazing. has said to me on multiple, on multiple occasions, we have the tools right now to end HIV. The tools are there. And I will say this quickly. He assured me this morning uh, that funds are not being taken away from HIV research uh, in response to COVID, that that is still happening, little side note. But we have the tools to end this virus. And I keep saying HIV does not have to kill. Stigma, stigma does. So U equals U um, is a great campaign and a great messaging from my friend Bruce Richmond and Prevention Access to get it out there. The problem is it struggles to get out there, um, and, and it, it's a continuous fight, and that's why we created Plus Life, that uh, you so kindly mentioned, my colleagues and I, not only talk about things like U equals U, but also to show everyday people who might just happen to be living with HIV, living full and proud, happy lives, and turning positive into a plus. Just because you've got HIV, just because you have diabetes, just because you have Crohn's disease, just because you have a manageable chronic illness does not mean that you're a second, third, or fourth class citizen. And, and through Plus Life, um, you know, pluslifemedia.com, or you can follow us on social at Plus Life Media, you get to see everyday people living their best lives and finding courage and strength from the moments that knock them down. And it, it, we're very excited about it. Well, it's amazing, my friend. I think you guys have all done a fantastic job. You have your Plus Talk Show weekly where you interview, have some great interviews and information that you give out. I love that you kind of broke it down to different categories through science, through first-time experiences, through love, through a little bit of fun. You can introduce me to Rafe anytime, my friend. Very cute. And news going on. <laughs> my fit, my, uh, so my I own think fitness guru. There you go. I like it. No, you've done a fantastic job there, and I really appreciate you taking the time. It's gone from a digital platform last year. I understand you have some big plans for it this year, hopefully bringing it um, onto TV or something. Is that what I read? Uh, you may have read your tea leaves correctly, Scott. There, there may be an announcement happening uh, extremely soon, especially here in the SoCal market on ABC7 as we get ready to celebrate Pride and Pride Time on Saturday night. There might be a couple of announcements, and, and we're thrilled. And I'm very, very lucky, to, as I said at the top, to work for an organization such as ABC7 and the Disney organization, as a matter of fact, the Walt Disney Company, that really do embrace diversity and they celebrate diversity and, and that's across the spectrum uh, the lgbtq plus community we're so well represented within the company but but with everything that's going on in the in the country right now um temperature wise black lives matter equal rights for all for women i will tell you that working for the Walt disney company and especially i'm especially proud to work at, a, at an organization like abc7 here in los angeles that it is led by a fantastic team of people who are not only supportive and not only such great leaders, but such great empowers and encourages and, 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 and really want to see the people that work there thrive and become the best version of themselves, which is what we're trying to do at Plus Life. So to, to, to be able to marry and have a relationship 
between what I do at ABC7 and what I'm getting to do with Plus Life. I'm, I'm really lucky. And I think, I, I, I'm pretty sure that our audiences here in SoCal on Saturday night uh, are going to love what we have cooked up three hours. We've actually got more than three hours. We've got too much content, but we've got three hours of live pride in prime time. It's never been done before, and we couldn't be more proud to be the first station to be doing such a thing. Well, let's dig into that, and I I do want to just say that I am so impressed with ABC and Disney. I am lucky enough to be on – I get a lot of the press releases, and everyone across the country does so well. I know ABC in Houston tonight was doing a virtual tan hall to discuss violence against transgender women of color. Um, You guys have done just some amazing things throughout the company, and KBC in Los Angeles especially. This is a big year for Pride. It was the 50th anniversary of L.A. Pride that COVID kind of took away from the big outside festival, but you guys have really stepped up, and I'm just really impressed to talk about this. And it's in prime time. It's, we're not relegated to 11 in the morning or 2 in the afternoon. I just think it's an amazing thing that you're doing, and you've got to be pretty proud to be part of that. Oh, look, I'm beyond proud. I mean, last year, ABC7 became the official broadcast partner of LA Pride, and we kicked off with a pretty fantastic uh, live coverage of the parade in West Hollywood. And this parade has become iconic, not just in Southern California or the States, but really around the world. I mean, it draws huge crowds. And when you think about it, as you said, 50 years ago, this thing started. And and I was fortunate enough to put a a piece together uh, with Reverend Troy Perry, who was one of the first organizers. And, And in listening to his interview with us, and him saying that, you know, the people came and said, well, Stonewall had happened. We need to celebrate. We need to, we need to celebrate and we need to have a protest. And Reverend Troy Perry said, we, don't, we, we have parades here in L.A. We have the Rose Bowl parade. We have the Christmas <laughs> parade. We're going to have a parade. And we will show on Saturday night. ABC7 was there right on day one, 50 years ago, uh, here in L.A., just up the street from where I live on Hollywood Boulevard for that very first Pride Parade. And we've got some sound bites from not only people in the parade, but people bystanders at that first parade. And if you look at the evolution of the LA Pride Parade over 50 years to where we are today, um, through all the ups and downs that have happened, whether it has been for civil rights, whether it's been through the AIDS pandemic, um, the LGBTQ plus community here and, and really around the country come together and we know how to come together and it is, you know, sadly, it is still a fight. You know, this is going to be a celebration. It is going to be a party. But it's also a really poignant and timely reminder that, uh, that whether you're black, brown, purple, gay, straight, pansexual, transgender, it doesn't matter. We come together as a community and we celebrate what's right. And, and we are going to do it in, in some grand old style. I mean... Just because there's not a parade in West Hollywood because of the pandemic, we're going to have a virtual parade. We've got phenomenal music performances. Katy Perry is going to be a part of this. Um, I think I've heard of her. (laughs) Have you heard of her? Um, I was very lucky to sit down and interview Andrew Bell and Vince Clark uh, of Eurasia. They are going to give us a peek at their newest music video. They've just released a new album. Uh, um, Everybody's favorite, Megan Hilty, 
Uh, we'll be performing a classic over the rainbow. We've got the Gay Men's Chorus of LA. Uh, if you're a fan of HBO's um, Legendary, you're going to see House of Ninja. We've got Trixie Mattel is performing. Oh, my gosh. I'm not kidding, Scott. We had what was meant to be a one-hour show has expanded <laughs> into three hours. And I said, as I said, we've still got so much more. There's gonna be, there is going to be something for everybody uh, on, on Saturday night here. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm excited for it. I'm, I'm three hours behind you, so you guys are doing an amazing primetime event from 8 to 11 Pacific time. It's going to be from 11 to 2, and I'm going to be up for every hour of it, thanks to all of Disney's streaming services. But as you said, we have Reverend Perry, and we have Project Angel Food as the Grand Marshals, kind of honorary mm-hmm. Grand Marshals of the entire three-hour event. Um, Perry's story is amazing. Project Angel Food, for those who aren't familiar with it, um, started in L.A. by Marianne Williamson, presidential candidate, mm-hmm. thank you very much, back in the day, doing such great work. Uh, it's just got an amazing event. I'm so impressed with the degree of talent and the care that you guys have taken and kind of organized for this. You're so used to well, doing I- these red carpets live. Talk about how this is going to be for you. Have you been hustling your bunnies, talking to all these people virtually? <laughs> you know what? Well, the good thing is what's great is we haven't had to hustle. The, the response from not just celebrities. You know what? We have some of the best viewers and audiences uh, you could dream of here in, in Los Angeles. And the ABC7, we have our ABC7 eyewitnesses who are just, I mean, you've got, we love them to death. And they're, they're such proud supporters of us. A lot of them have, have submitted stuff. You know, we, we're involving this, as you said. You know, we've got the top of the top with Katy Perry. But we've, we've got everyone right down. This is not just celebrities and politicians. It's our community. It's our community coming together. We didn't get to get out on Santa Monica Boulevard. You know, I didn't get to rip the sleeves off my shirt halfway through the show and show a little skin this year. Um, so it, it's not been so much of a hustle as a really kind of marshalling everyone who wants to be a part of it. I want to, I want to make a point also, um, you know, Laverne Cox it will be delivering an incredibly powerful message um, about trans rights. We're talking about trans lives matter uh, and black lives matter. We've, we've got uh the two first male cheerleaders in the NFL, who happen to be, I'm very proud to say, uh, LA Rams cheerleaders, they're participating. We've got chats with the cast of Pose. Love, Victor. Scott, have you watched Love, Victor on Hulu yet? I bawled on episode eight. I don't know about you, but I, I barely <laughs> made it through episode eight, my friend. Well, was... we've, well we've got, yeah, we've got, we've got the cast of there. We've got great We've got great cast members from Freeform. Uh, you know, as I said earlier, RuPaul's Drag Race. There are so many people, stars from all over the world. Uh, Elizabeth Moss is shouting out. I, I'm telling you, if you're in L.A., you want to just grab your cocktails, uh, connect via Zoom, via your iPad, but have the TV on so you can have a bit of a, an L.A. Pride in primetime virtual Pride party Connect with your friends on Zoom, FaceTime, get your cocktails out, maybe order a pizza from Pizza Hut or something. Um, you know, uh, put your pride decorations. I've got to start decorating 
my apartment because it's it's myself, it's Ellen Laver and Brandy Hitt, who are two of the ABC7 news team here. Uh, Ellen Laver is phenomenal, and, and she is a huge supporter also of AIDS Walk LA. Brandy is, I don't think there is a, a single person on the planet that has more energy and bubbliness and kindness. She is the effervescent bubbles in the champagne of life. And, and we have Raven Simone, who has cut her honeymoon short because she's just married. I was going to say, recently married. married. Recently married. She's cut her honeymoon short to come back. She hosted with us last year. Raven's going to be there. So between Raven, Brandy, Ellen, and occasional appearances by me from my apartment, uh, decorated in pride, uh, and it's live, so who knows what else could happen. <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm glad you brought it up because I really wanted to get back to Laverne Cox for a second because I was so impressed. One of the things that I do not mind about COVID bringing Pride virtual is we really have gone back to our history. And I don't know if you felt this or not yourself, but I was so impressed to see the LA LGBT plus community get together with black lives matter and do an amazing protest March a couple Sundays back. And you really saw the community together and it was just a great thing to see. There wasn't the Budweiser tent and there wasn't the such and such float. You saw people really paying attention that because our communities have not always been the best of friends, the LGBT and the black community have tried to work together and it's been difficult sometimes, but I really feel that LA showed us how it was done a couple weeks ago and to have Laverne Cox come on the show, who's such a great spokeswoman for her community and the entire community of LGBTQ plus and her black community. It's just going to be such a powerful statement. So you guys well on you for that, my friend. Well, I've been impressed. Well, thank you. Yeah, no, she, we're so thrilled to have her be a part of it. And, you know, that the, the peaceful protest rally that took place two weeks ago here in Los Angeles, which was actually organized by members of the black LGBT community, who really pulled that together. And it is phenomenal, and it's hard not to get a little emotional. Um, you know, I think what makes the LGBTQ plus community really special is that, yeah, sure, you know what? We might not all see eye to eye from time to time. We might, you know, there might be different factions and groups within, you know, the gay men or lesbians or trans community. But when it matters, when it really matters, one community that you can count and bet your bottom dollar on is us in the LGBT community. When it really matters, we come together and we don't care what color your skin is. We don't care who you pray to. We don't care what you identify as sexually or as your gender identity. That goes out the window. What we care about is compassion, is fairness, and is support and love. It's really that simple. And, and, and it, it upsets me a little that, that we are in a time that we're in where it seems maybe the world has lost a bit of that. But, but again, I'm so proud of what we're doing at ABC7 here in L.A. Um, and, and with our partners and bringing together this whole celebration on Saturday night, just hopefully to remind people, and if there are people who tune in who might not be the biggest fans of ours, 
but who might have something else going on in their world that is rattling their world, that is, has pushed them off course a little. Maybe they'll see a little bit of the love, the celebration, the color, the fun, the movement that happens with what we're all bringing together as a community here in SoCal on Saturday night. And maybe they'll think to themselves, well, maybe I just need to pick up the phone and have a conversation, or maybe I just need to say sorry, or maybe I just need to try a little bit harder. That's what we're about, and that's what the LGBTQ plus community has always been grateful, you know, great at. It was the lesbians who came to every dying gay man's bedside in the 80s in the worst of the pandemic. But quite often you'll hear the gays making jokes of the lesbians and the lesbians make it. Sure, we do it, but we know how to come together and stick together for what is right and what is just when it matters. And we will never, ever, ever stop doing that, no matter who might be in the top position in, in, in this country or any other country. We will not ever stop fighting for what is right and what is just and hopefully bringing a whole lot of love along the way. Well said on you, my new friend. I love that. Favor, give Miss Cheryl Fair, who is the general manager over at KBC, give her a virtual kiss on the cheek for me for doing this. I am just so impressed <laughs> with all of you guys over there. It's going to be this Saturday, again, June 27th, 8 o'clock to 11 o'clock local time there, Pacific time. And it's going to be an amazing event co-hosted by my very special guest today, Mr. Carl Schmidt. Carl, you've been absolutely amazing to talk to tonight, my friend. Thank you for coming on the show. Well, thank you, Scott. Thank you so much for having me. We've covered a lot. And I, you know, I, I thank you, your listeners for tuning in and, and iHeartRadio for putting us out there and, and we're going to have a great time. So happy, happy and safe pride to you all. Just all just take a moment, just take a moment and take care of each other. It's not that hard to do. And wear a mask. Please wear your mask. There you go. Well said. Well, before we go, I want them to know where they can find Plus Life. I'll give you the website for that. And if, if you want a nice little um, pictogram there, I would like for you to give your Instagram as well and your social media so we can follow you and your stories and your life. Oh, you are too kind. Well, you can find Plus Life Media across all social media platforms at Plus Life Media. Also, the website, pluslifemedia.com. And as for me, well, you can find me at Carl J. Schmidt. Carl with a K, J-C-H-M-I-D. That's all a bit obnoxious that I'm spelling it out. But, uh, but follow Plus Life. Give Plus Life a look. Um, we're all about turning positive into a plus. And also at abc 7 and hashtag ABC7 Eyewitness. Come be, a, come be one of our eyewitnesses. There you go. Well, stay on the line for me, Carl. Guys, this Saturday, be there. I will be there. I will be hosting a – I'll be twittering it, tweeting it, live tweeting as we go along. You can stream it on abc7.com, Hulu, uh, all your connected apps for Amazon Fire, Android TV, Apple TV. It's going to be a huge pride fest. Had by all. We're going to play out with a little bit of Matt Stern from Canada. Keeps me awake. When I come back, we are going to have our second fantastic live guest today, Mr. Matt Rebikoff. You're listening to the Left of Straight show right here on the Left of Straight radio network.
I don't know if I feel safe in this place anymore In this place anymore You know you're making me wait I don't know what it is for Is it just habit to break All the things we were sure We were sure of before I can't hold on, it's gonna hurt me But letting go is hard to do And though we chose to do it purposely I'm plagued with thoughts of leaving you I love the way that it tastes And we're free to explore But tell me, could it be fake? Could it be a mistake? Lying here on the floor And is this what is at stake? Is it greedy or more? I can't hold on, it's gonna hurt me But letting go is hard to do And though we chose to do it perfectly I'm plagued with thoughts of losing you I'm plagued with thoughts of losing you Would you leave me in the dark by the light? Either way I won't be the same Would you keep my secrets far? Take 
much time now I just take one look inside your eyes and I'm flying What am I still doing here? I know you will soon disappear But I still hold on to spend time with you One more night Much longer until you come over. I'm hot under the sheets, you know you make me sore. I toss and turn all night till you come closer. Feeling you inside me over and over. Still I know you are the one. I still taste you on my tongue, and I would be fortunate to lie with you. We are back. You got back-to-backer songs with Matt Stern. That was One More Night. Guys, I'm excited for my next guest to have on. He's a fantastic straight ally to the community who was brought to my attention by our new friend, actor Danny Gomez. I got to tell you, I was pretty excited to be introduced to someone known as Mr. Eatwell because you all know I got eaten down really well as my little chubby self. But alas, I was not getting to talk to the next big juicy hamburger bar or even a healthy eating establishment like Core Life Eatery. Or was I? Turns out Mr. Eatwell is a brand of comfy clothes inspired by a relatively newfound love of cooking by my next guest. He's teamed up with his community in New Orleans during this horrible COVID quarantine to give back and is doing an amazing job for it. So, again, I'm excited now because my little love of food Mr. Nice Guy Story himself, please welcome to the show, Mr. Matt Rebikoff. Matt, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm so good. I'm so good, Scott. Thank you so much. That was a very sweet intro. Um, you said nice things about me, so I appreciate that. Um, well, I am doing well. Nice I just, I, go ahead. Well, thank you. Yeah, I took a, I took a nap uh, recently uh, to prepare <laughs> for this interview. Um, because, uh, with the quarantine COVID, uh, nightmare situation, my sleep schedule has gotten a little crazy. And, um, like last night I was up, well, this morning I was up to like six thirty working and then I slept until one and then I worked for a few hours and I slept a couple hours. And then I was like, Oh gosh, I can't, I can't be uh, drowsy for Scott. So, um, I'm drinking a cup of cold brew and, um, I appreciate nine o'clock that. at night. I'll- I'll probably be up till three or four again. There you go. Well, I appreciate you taking the nap. There is no prep work involved because we just kind of fly, <laughs> fly by the seat of the pants here. So it's not going to be that difficult, of, I promise. We'll make it painless. Well, I got to say, you've got to be busy because you have been coming up with some great ideas, giving back this entire time. How are you personally doing with COVID besides the sleep schedule? Are you able to kind of get through this okay? I mean, some people are 
really productive. Some people are sleeping all day, and some people that's just the first three hours. How are you doing? <laughs> Uh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm working harder than I ever have. Uh, I would say in my life, I'm working more and harder than I ever have, but, um, and I'm, I'm lucky that I'm able to do that from home. Um, and I, I know that I'm, I'm lucky. And, and, uh, with that being said though, having my desk 20 feet from my bed, uh, a lot of the times leads to me probably working when I should be resting or vice versa, really. Um, right. and, uh, Tess, my fiance, and I went to uh, we took a, a trip to Costa Rica after Mardi Gras, um, which was at the end of February. We got back on March 9th, and uh, we pretty much haven't left the city of New Orleans since March 9th. So it's a little tough uh, as far as stir craziness goes. Goes, but other than that, I'm you know I'm healthy. Everyone I know is healthy, um, and so I can't complain really too much because there's so much terrible shit happening in the world that um, working too much is like, obviously not, it doesn't really scratch the surface of an actual problem. Right. I hear you. Definitely, definitely first world problems for us. And uh, I appreciate you saying that. Yes. But as I said, though, you've been killing it through here, working through it. Talk about your background though. Where did you grow up and what kind of (laughs) a kid were you when you were growing up? Uh, I love this. Um, I, I was very attached to my mother. Um, we can, I guess, start there. Um, <laughs> I grew up in, I grew up in uh, a few places, but started in, in Queens, very quickly moved to Westchester, New York when I was like a month old. Lived in Westchester till I was uh, seven, moved further upstate to like Poughkeepsie area. No one that's listening to this is going to know where any of these places are, but and then um, moved to St. Louis, went to middle school, high school, and college in Missouri, moved to Brooklyn uh, after that. And that's actually where I met, met Danny, who you mentioned, uh, I guess, off air now that I realized earlier. Um, but um, I was a pretty nice kid. Um, I didn't start getting into trouble until I was like eight or nine. But... Um, <laughs> Late bloomer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, late bloomer. Um, you know, I knew kids that, well, no, that was, that's pretty early. Um, but I stayed nice. I think that's, uh, I was, I got in trouble for doing, doing, what, what are the language rules on this show, by the way? We are basically labeled let anything fly. It's internet radio. I just have to bleep it out when I send it over to iHeart later. So you're good. Whatever, whatever Fantastic. happens, happens. Okay. Okay, so um, yeah, I, when I, when, you know, I would do stupid shit, but it would generally be things that affected me negatively, as opposed to like getting in fights in school and beating people up. It was more like, oh, Matt got caught smoking cigarettes and he's seven, stuff like that. <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay, that was an uncomfortable well, conversation, by the way. <laughs> that was a tough and one. I, I bet. That's why I don't. The reason I don't smoke to this day. Uh, Matt is because I stole my mom's cigarettes when I was, I was 12. I was a late bloomer and uh, went behind <laughs> the women's club around the corner from my house, took such a big puff. I think I coughed for the next three days. I haven't been able to have a cigarette or anything since then. Wow. It was just such a bad so traumatic lucky. experience. It was a lucky thing. Uh, but it was a traumatic yeah. at the time. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a yeah. current smoker, but I've had, had, I've had a few in my life and, uh, you know, I wish I could have kicked him at 12. I think, uh, I think that that was the right move. And I mean, that's a wise decision as a 12 year old. 
What brought you to New Orleans finally? What What was your business life before this? We're going to talk okay. all about so, the inspiration for this, but talk about your business life. Right. So I'll give you a quick a quick rundown of, of uh, my all-over-the-place professional career. Um, I went to visit my family in Westchester. They had moved back to Westchester while I was in college um, at the end of my fourth year of college. So went there for the summer, got into the city. Like I took the train into Times Square, which uh, obviously uh, now I hate Times Square because I lived in New York for longer than 10 minutes. But um, (laughs) I was in Times Square and I was like, you know what? I want to, I just want to live here. So in Instead of going back to Missouri, I got a job working for a helicopter tour and charter company. Um, And we would, I was like doing, you know, sales for them, marketing, things like that. I was 21 years old. And and, uh, at the time I was still living in Westchester. So I would drive into the Westchester airport, uh, work for about an hour, get in a helicopter with someone that knew how to fly one. I luckily fly into the city, (laughs) work through the day and then fly back to Westchester. So this is, that was the peak. I, I peaked at 21 as far as like a uh, bougie wow. uh, professional career. And it, it, it's funny, this is an aside that I won't get too far into, but we used to land next to like Trump's helicopter all the time. And I'd be like, Oh, this is so cool. I get to the sit, they get to work the same way as, as Donald Trump does. And now I'm like, Oh man, I had, my, I had a chance back then to do something, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> So from there, from there, I kind of meandered through, uh, I partied through like the majority of my twenties. I worked at that helicopter company for a while, Uh, moved back to St. Louis for like eight or 10 months in my early twenties and realized that after living in Brooklyn, where I had moved uh, after a few months in Westchester, that I could never live in St. Louis again. Um, So I moved back to New York and I lived there for another, uh, let's see, Cleveland, seven, eight years. I was there for like a total of nine, nine years in Brooklyn. Mm. Um, and I, at, uh, when I turned 26, I was, I was working at a restaurant or sorry, t- turned 27. Um, I was working at a restaurant and I was like, you know, I see all these restaurant managers and they're all miserable. So like, if that's <laughs> right. the future of this, you know, like if that's, if that's the end goal, then I'm just going to be as, as unhappy as they are. Also, I think they make less money than me. So, um, maybe it's time to, to, to get out. So uh, I quit abruptly and um, I reached out to a friend who kind of owed me a favor because her boyfriend had mistakenly punched me in the face, mistaken identity situation, <laughs> like soon before that. And um, so she reached out to the owner of Murray's cheese, uh, which are you out in California? I'm actually been banished to Northeast Ohio. I was born and raised in California. <laughs> I'm in Northeast Ohio tonight. I've been banished. So, okay. So they're a Cincinnati company. Kroger's a Cincinnati company. They now own Murray's, but at that point they only owned a portion of it. And um, so I worked as a cheese buyer for Murray's cheese for a couple of years. And then I got, I got poached by Dean and DeLuca to run their cheese and charcuterie category for um, their like American operation. Um, And at this time, my uh, Tess uh, was working for Momofuku Milk Bar, running their R&D department, and we both burnt out on the city pretty hard. I was taking three trains mm-hmm. to work, um, and it took, like, just from Brooklyn to Midtown, it took, like, 80 minutes of in rush hour each way. 
So I hated life. Even by the time I walked into the office, I was just like, I I can't do it. So (laughs) she quit her job. Two two weeks later, I quit my job. We moved out to uh, her dad's house at the east end of Long Island because that's what late 20s people do when um, (laughs) they quit their jobs without a plan. And uh, we worked through that summer um, and then went to Europe for a month, which was fantastic. Blew through all of our money. Um, we're supposed to go down to New Orleans for a party that our friend's mother was throwing, like a big party. Um, but like I said, no money. And the night night before we were supposed to leave, uh, Tess found a frontier flight from the middle of Long Island to, to New Orleans that would just introduce for $19 each way. So, oh um, so I j- jumped on a plane, uh, came down for what was supposed to be like a Wednesday to Saturday trip, I think it was, or Wednesday to Sunday. And that was in October of 2017. Um, so slightly longer than four or five days. And uh, essentially after, after two weeks of missing flights on purpose, because even like two hours before it was $19 <laughs> to get back. Uh, right. I was like, let's, let's take a look at an apartment. And um so we found a place that dwarfed our New York apartment, $500 a month less. And uh, we yeah. pretty much signed a lease on the spot without jobs and uh, went, <laughs> flew up to Long Island, grabbed our stuff and came back down the next day. I um, love it. And I love that freewheeling <laughs> existence. That's amazing. Very, very yeah, cool. It, was, it got, it got a little dicey because uh, at least I hadn't looked at the job market down here before, before making that decision. And, um, about four days before we would have had to like tail between our legs, move back to New York without any money. We both found jobs. So um, it all worked out so far, you know, I mean, uh, we'll see what happens. A little so hard far, work, so a little luck and you, anyone can make it happen in the beautiful yeah. day today. I like it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, talk about this story. I mean, as I said, you had started out kind of from what I read, you were doing a little experimental cooking because uh, you've been spoiled mm-hmm. from your mom and Tess and Taco Bell. Uh-huh. And, so and Taco you're Bell, cooking, yes. Shout out Taco Bell. And you're, you're, you're making your own food blog, I guess, uh, food pictorial, we'll say. And the sure. food wasn't the highlight of the evening. Talk to me about the story. <laughs> yeah, no, and uh, it, it really I was just taking pictures of the food that I made. I was cooking through Bon Appetit recipes and um, – I had made a bowl of pasta that I thought um, was, it tasted good. And uh, <laughs> I, I, that, that was my main criteria at that point. And um, I had found uh, a hoodie that I loved, the softest hoodie that I had ever owned. And I've owned probably a hundred, if not more. So I tracked down the hoodie ultimately. And uh, I had a friend that had a, a direct to garment printer and I was like, hey, uh, in my head, I was like, you know, this, this hoodie, I think, would just look better with a bowl of pasta on it. And, like, that was the whole thought. <laughs> that was the, there was no business. There was no anything except I want a hoodie with a pasta on it. I'm going to make one. So uh, I did. And um, really, I just had a few people that were like, oh, that's a cool hoodie. Where would you get it? And I'm like, oh, I just made, you know, I just made it. It's just pasta or whatever. And then I did one for, I think the next one was steak and then (laughs) pizza again, all all for myself. And uh, enough people said I would buy that to the point where I was like, okay, well, I guess I need to figure out what the hell I can do to make that happen. So 
we started a brand and by we, I guess, I mean, it, it was a, a one person operation for the majority of the last six or seven months. The site went live in January and um, actually Danny Gomez, who I think was on your show last week, two weeks ago, two years ago, who knows right what time is anymore. Right around, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, he's been helping me out with some, some PR and press outreach. And I've got my, my younger brothers running a lot of operations and keeping my life in order. And, um, it's a very small, uh, team of independent contractors, but it's, it's been a huge weight off my shoulders over the past month or so. Um, yeah, man. So like, I, I really wanted to, really, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just wanted to make clothes that people liked or that I liked and hoped that other people liked them. Um, right. and made sure they were comfortable because comfort is like my number one priority in life or uh, I shouldn't <laughs> say number one, cause that's a really shitty thing to say, but, um, it's up there. <laughs> and, uh, so that was the goal. And then from there I was like, okay, I want to get back to the community. Um, so I started donating uh, a percentage of sales to a charity for every sale. Um, and then, my, I would say my life changed when um, a random guy walked up to me. I was, I was wearing a, a shirt with cake on it that, that I had made, uh, that Tess made the cake <laughs> and I made the, the shirt. And um, he turned out to be the president of Crystal Hot Sauce's cousin. And uh, oh, wow. I know, I knew him. Uh, I know his name is Pepper, uh, the president of Crystal, because of course it is. And, um, so I was texting with him the next day and I was like, Hey, I ran into your cousin. Um, and, uh, you know, I, it's a funny story, huh? And he was like, yeah, I love that. And he started buying sweatshirts for me while I was like texting him. So, um, I was like, Hey, if you like this, uh, idea of me making clothes, maybe I can make stuff for you guys. And, uh, and he's like, fuck yeah. So, like six weeks into this brand being a thing, I like landed a collaboration with a, a enormous national company. <laughs> that is crazy. So, um, yeah, crazy. it blew my mind. It was nuts. So that kind of made it so that I could continue making things because um, they have more money than I do by like a factor of I can't even think of the amount. But <laughs> um, so it's just, you know, it's been kind of a, a roller coaster from there, mostly, mostly ups, um, a few downs, of course. When COVID hit, I thought I was going to go out of business because Crystal was probably going to pull the plug. And instead they were like, hey, we're getting slammed because everybody wants hot sauce and we're deemed essential production. So let's make this clothes thing happen. I was like, holy fuck, like this is a real thing. Um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, well, so the thing I, I like kind of... about it, Matt, is I think you've just been, and I think one of the reasons it's resonating with everybody is it's just so authentic. You've really, that's kind of a buzzword in marketing these days overall, but you really have kind of made it just about your aesthetic and what you like. And I think I saw that like that Heather McMahon kind of posted out the comic and just because of your authenticity, I think. So it's, and I've seen your, your Instagram videos are hilarious. You're just talking to people, not, not hilarious, but Thank they're you. heartfelt and just serious. They're serious and hilarious, but it's just, you really come across as you. And I think that's important for any brand. Was this planned on, or are you just being you, my friend? Well, first of all, I appreciate you saying all the, again, the, the nice things. I love that. 
part of me hates it because I'm very self-deprecating, but I do really, I, I do appreciate it. So, um, <laughs> I, it is me. I don't, I have no other, I have no other modes. Um, and I think that it's, I'm just lucky, I guess, that people like that. Otherwise I guess I'd be, I'd be out of business because, um, if I'm an asshole, I don't think the brand works. Um, and one thing that has that, that I've heard over and over and over again, and, and uh, you know, there's been delays in, in production through the, through this whole quarantine and, and COVID situation. Um, but I've just tried to stay ahead of it and be as transparent as possible and reach out to people. I called like 150 people um, in one day just to say, Hey, like, this is mad. I'm really sorry that your stuff is late. And it blew people's minds. And, and like, for me, I think that I'm like doing the bare minimum or at least close to it. Um, but you know, people get treated like shit by the companies that they do business with like routinely. I mean, I think about the amount of right. time that I've spent on the phone, like yelling at customer service people because they're just telling me to potentially go fuck myself. Um, and so I just want to make sure that that is never the case. Um, I was thinking the other night, like, I, I, at some point I have to put stuff like down on paper, the way I, what I think and how this company should work. Uh, if I want to continue to expand in any kind of way. And I was like, you know, I just try and um, this is me in my head. I'm just trying to treat people the way I want to be treated or, or whatever. And that's obviously think, something people say. And, uh, but like I said, I'm very self-deprecating. So um, I was like, well, I don't really need to be treated that well. So maybe that doesn't make sense. And I was like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I'd like to treat people the way that I would want them to treat my mom. And like, that's, that is what my goal is. Um, so I think if I continue to do that and ideally make things that people, uh, think look good and feel good, then, uh, we might be okay. I might be able to keep doing this. I quit my job a few weeks ago. So, so hopefully it works. Otherwise, uh, I'm <laughs> in rough shape. <laughs> I think you're going to be successful, my friend. Like I said, I just, I just love the authenticity. I love, and my most successful companies I've ever worked for started with culture. And if you have a culture in your company and you build from that, everything else is going to follow. So as you kind of go along through all this and, and you start to plan this out, don't talk about the nuts and bolts of the business. Talk about the nuts and bolts of the culture you want to create, and you're going to be fine because that's inherent in you. I mean, I've just seen, like I said, your post when uh, all this stuff started happening with Black Lives Matter. You immediately, that was that was a touch on, it went directly from your heart there, and, and you gave money to that. And you kind of really set yourself a tone that I think makes a culture more than anything else. And that's what's going to prove to be successful for you. Uh, have you always been that kind of way, reaching out to different people? Because it's just, it's an amazing thing to see. Um, I've always tried to be helpful um, in life. I wouldn't say that I've, I've always been um, super philanthropic because I've been broke the majority of my life. Um, <laughs> and like, you know, I, I, I give, I give, you know, monthly small, small amounts to like the HRC and Planned Parenthood um, and things like that. But as far as actually doing things to, to benefit people, um, I mean, it's, it's just, I haven't really been able to do it um, until fairly recently, but um, the, I, I realize that if, if I don't 
do that, then no matter kind of what, what the business is doing, I'm not going to really be happy because again, there's, there's just so many shitty companies in the world that all they care about is making money. And like, it's just, it's a rough, it's a rough thing to think about that, that, you know, to so many people, customers are just numbers on paper or, or employees are just numbers on paper. So, um, I just try and, I just try and be a good person. Like that's literally it. That's all I try and do. And, uh, sometimes I succeed. I'm sure sometimes I don't, but, um, according to some people lately, I guess I've been succeeding more than I have been failing. So, so that's, that's good. That's good. That's all I can, that's all I can do. And, and, and like you mentioned, I mean, like, uh, with the black lives matter thing, it's just, it's, it's gotten to a point where we hear almost every couple of years or less about these travesties that are happening in the black community. And and I'm a straight white guy. Right. So, I have, I started at, at like in between third and home essentially. So, um, so, you know, it's easy to forget that such a large portion of this country obviously did not start there. And, um, then to think about not only are there disadvantages when it comes to employment and just overall socioeconomic, uh, disadvantages and, and, and things like that, there's the situation where like you can just be walking home as a black man and just, you just get fucking killed by the police. And it's like, wait a second, what, how is this America? And, and, and why is this still happening? It's, it's 2020. It's not, you know, 1920 or 1820. And and these are the same things that have been happening since been something like 400 years, which seems like, I don't know, like 400 years too long. And, um, so, so especially when, uh, when it's difficult to think about going into crowds and protesting, which I fought some panic attacks to do, um, you know, if I'm able to, to use whatever tiny platform that I've built for myself to just, you know, uh, bring awareness to issues or, or convince people to donate a few dollars or, or whatever it is, or just think just think about what it's like to be uh, someone that doesn't look like you. And because of that, they are either getting harassed or, or bullied or obviously killed. So not to, you know, not to get too heavy, (laughs) not to get too heavy on this, on this, uh, on this podcast, on this interview, but like, that's the reality of the world we're living in. And we have a president that's just like, making it worse on purpose to try and get reelected because for some reason he like, you could tell he hates the job, but he won't give it up because he's too much of a proud asshole. So um, yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of where I stand on that. I don't even remember what the question is, was to be honest. No, you you, you went to a good tangent because no, I I like tangents like that. And I think that we need to speak up whenever we can. And that's one thing I've tried to use my platform for, same thing. There's different ways. You can you can talk on social media. You can talk on the radio. You can show up to a march. I think we all have to do something. It doesn't matter what it sure. is, but we need to do something. And I, and I just like that you're you're doing that. And I want to talk about this partnership with um, Crystal because doing some great stuff there as well. As far as they're donating to the GNO Foundation, which yes. is Greater New Orleans Foundation to the Hospitality Family Assistance Program. 
I was in restaurant business for 20 years myself in a previous life. Smart man to get out of it because everything you said. You know the deal. Yeah. Yeah. But um, people are hurting there. And it's, uh, I kind of worked out. It's it's not a good place to be right now when you're not making any money in the restaurant business because you're a gig worker to begin no, with. No, right, right, and and this is a, a a city that really relies on tourism and hospitality, and so much of the economy is is uh, restaurant based and hotel based. So when something like this happens and every restaurant shuts, literally, I mean, not literally every restaurant shuts down. Um, there's only a few hundred thousand people that live here. And 18 million people uh, come here every year to eat and party and watch music. And none of those things are happening. So um, the DNO Foundation set up a, uh, a fund to help out not only the hospitality workers that have lost their jobs, but also the families of those hospitality workers. So um, through the Crystal Partnership, uh, you know, they basically said, look, we're going to donate all of our profits to this foundation, to this fund, Crystal Amazing. did. So uh, I have to, I have to just say a huge props to Crystal Hot Sauce. They've uh, 100% put their money where their mouth is. It's a family-owned business, 100 years in, and they're just like, they're just awesome people. Um, and so I actually just heard from um, the president a couple of days ago uh, that they're donating twenty thousand uh, dollars soon to. From, from this collaboration, which is like a mind-blowing number for me. And um, I'm psyched. I'm so psyched about it. I think it's going to essentially give $1,000 grants to 20 families um, to, to try and help them through this time. And um, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's an incredible feeling, uh, selfishly, to be able to help, help uh, to contribute to that and just to, to know that something that I did that um, or helped do, I should say, um, is going to help people eat or uh, be able to pay their bills, it, it, it really does. It blows my mind. So um, I had never designed a piece of clothing until basically, I don't know, uh, November or December of last year. Um, <laughs> and now all of a sudden I'm able to help, you know, help give $20,000 to a foundation in need. So it's, it's, been, it's been incredible. And um, I'm just psyched to, to be able to do it and to keep doing it and find, find more causes because, uh, there's plenty that, that need help. Um, and uh, actually, for that reason, the majority of the items that are not crystal, uh, whoever is, is buying what they uh, – they, they choose the charity that, that the 10% goes to. So, I saw um, that. That's amazing. Yeah. Because, you know, there's just – there's so much, and, and there's, there's local charities that, that don't get um, donations from a company like this and, and – um, so I just kind of wanted to make it so that people could choose, like, I wish I could choose what taxes I paid, especially right now. Um, or, um, or, or where, where the money I, I uh, spend does go charity wise. So um, for anyone that doesn't put something, I always have like kind of a, a backup default um, because there's a lot of people that are just like, I trust you or your choice, or I don't feel like filling this out. Um, so it's lately, it's been tough to decide. I mean, just because of what's going on and what, how every, every day, uh, there seems to be a super valid, um, cause and need, um, the past, I think from June 6th until now, um, it's going to the okra project, um, which feeds, uh, 
black trans families. It sends, um, it sends black trans chefs into uh, black trans people's homes to cook them dinner. And if they uh, either are homeless or they don't have kitchens to accommodate that, they send the meals. Um, I heard recently that the life expectancy of a black trans person is 35. And I'm just like, what century is it that that's even a possibility? So, you know, I'm just trying to help out little amounts at a time and, and uh, try and get as involved as I can from my office chair. <laughs> Um, so, the, well, so that's kind of where where, where it's at now. It's amazing, my friend. I want to thank you because you you're you are you're hitting out of the park for choosing charities. There are so many to choose from. So many people are in need. So I really appreciate that you've kind of gotten the full spectrum, being such a great ally to our community, doing great for the chefs and everybody and the people out of work in the industry in your hometown. Talk about what's been your learning curve in clothing. Have you learned all that you need to know about clothing and never wanted to ask? No. How do you no. choose your clothing? <laughs> oh, man, I don't know anything. I don't know anything about it. Um, you know, up, <laughs> up until January, I had never really used Photoshop or Illustrator. So um, I, I am trying to teach myself. I, I bought a, a graphic design course on Udemy. I'm on lesson one. Um, so I, I've just kind of been trial and erroring, uh, and I'm sure, um, you know, I, I think I mentioned to you, it might've been off, uh, off air that I was up till six thirty this morning working and, and it's probably right. because I'm, I'm working so slowly cause I don't actually know what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> and I'm sure there's shortcuts that could turn that like seven hours of work into one, but, um, I don't really have that much time to take the course, which is so counterintuitive because I know it'll save me time. Um, But no, the answer is I, I, I learn every single day. (laughs) The one thing that I've learned is everything takes much longer than not only I thought, but that somehow the manufacturers think also. So if I think something's going to take two weeks, they'll tell me it's going to take a month and then it takes three. And I'm just like, (laughs) what? like you guys are supposed to know this. Um, so, you know, that's, that's been the real uh, learning curve issue is just trying to kind of, cause when I first started, I was like, okay, I, I want to put, I want to put this on a sweatshirt. I'm going to go to my friend's place. We're going to just print 20 of these and then I'm going to sell them. But like I grew out of that, especially with the crystal thing where I'm, you know, all of a sudden I need 600 pieces, especially after the Heather McMahon thing. So, right. Um, then we moved it to overseas and then, uh, COVID fucked it. So that took an extra couple months. Um, and again, that's why I had 150 phone calls to make to be like, I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> and then, and then, so I moved the production domestically, uh, to Arizona as far as the, uh, the finishing, the printing and the embroidering. And I'm not sure if you've seen the news, but Arizona is getting like, crushed by a COVID spike. There was a wildfire the size uh, of Salt yeah. Lake City. <laughs> so um, tough to catch a break on that. But um, as, far, as far as what <laughs> I put out, I genuinely, um, I make things that I want to wear or that I think look cool. And I actually have a focus group text thread of uh, some friends because um, especially after the Heather McMahon posts, my 
brand skewed so far female that um, I didn't want to be just making decisions for, you know, all of these women that are buying my clothes as a, again, straight white dude. So, um, so that's been, you know, so that's been one thing um, that I've tried to be conscious of. Um, And to be totally honest with you, I like, that's some killer I've I've liked uh, women in general more than men since I was a kid. Just like as far as uh, I don't know, I've just had a lot of female friends over the over my my life since I was a little kid. So I think that probably helps that I'm not some like alpha male um, testosterone fueled <laughs> uh, like meathead. Um, but it's been interesting to essentially turn into a women's clothing brand or, or primarily women's clothing brand over the past um, couple months. But most of the things I make are, are, yeah, I know, right. (laughs) Most of the things I make are unisex and um, except for like some, some crop tops and things like that, which I honestly also think are unisex um, because why, why wouldn't I be able to wear a crop top other than the fact that I would look terrible in it. Um, (laughs) And other than so, fact, my burrito supreme you know, would be hanging over the bottom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's the only <laughs> exactly. Other, yeah, you know, because I haven't left the house in three and a half months, and I stopped working out three months uh, ago. So, um, <laughs> so you know, I'm just I just try and learn every single day, and and usually I don't have a choice because it's like, okay, I either learn this or I keep making the same mistake over and over again, um, right? And never never sleep. So. It's trial by fire, I guess, but I'm having a blast. I love it. I didn't know that I would even like it, and it's just something that I love to do. I love this. It's it's such a great story. And talk about the social media. It seems four four weeks ago you're you're not doing social media much at all, and you're learning to talk (laughs) to a camera, and now you're giving your life story. You're asking for puppy tips and. Two weeks later, you get a puppy. I mean, you're <laughs> killing it on social media. Talk about what that experience has been like. Uh, I have been curve. very averse. I've been very averse to, you know, I think social media is good in a lot of ways. I think it's terrible in, in, in a lot of ways, too. Um, but personally, I have, I, I have like, uh, I'm terrible at public speaking. Um, I don't necessarily think that what I have to say is important enough for people to want to hear it. Um, and that's just something that I have dealt with forever. And, and so when it came to, I think it was really when, when, uh, after George Floyd's killing and, and, um, I think that's when I first put anything up online. I honestly don't, I don't know, but I was just like, okay, you know, enough is enough. Uh, I, um, I just wanted to kind of put my feelings out there and it seems like there's uh, a couple thousand people or whatever that might be able to see this. So I'm going to do it. And it's kind of cathartic um, to be able to do that. And, um, and then also, yeah, like if I, if I need, uh, if I need to know like what kind of collar to get a dog or if anyone, you know, has a dog for adoption, there's also that. So I've become <laughs> a little bit more comfortable with it a little bit. Um, but I still, right before I hit share, I'm like, is this worth it at all? Like, does any, will anyone care about this? And then sometimes I say no and I delete it. Uh, but sometimes I let it go. And, um, and then 20 minutes later I delete it or, or I, uh, or I keep it up 
And um, so that's, that's something that I'm, I'm definitely trying to get comfortable with because um, I think that for whatever reason, my personality does go with the brand. I guess not for whatever reason. I mean, I made the brand and, and that's why it makes sense. But um, people seem to respond to, uh, to it. So it works good for me because I feel good about it. And then um, there are people that send me messages that are, are very sweet. I had, I was talking to someone on the phone the other day um, who, who I had just called to say, Hey, like your order's running a few days late. I just wanted to tell you over the phone. And she was like, you know, I just wanted to tell you that you have inspired me to um, leave my job in sales and do something creative. And I don't know what it's going to be, but like, that's what I'm going to do. And it's because I I've watched what you've done. And that like, blew my mind apart because I um I wouldn't do anything I didn't do anything creative for 25 years from the age of like 7 to 32 which is what I am now um I I purposely didn't do anything creative because I didn't want people to be like oh I hate that um and then after a while I guess until you know a few months ago I was like fuck it you know if people don't like it they won't buy it and if they don't buy it then I'll stop doing it because I'll, I'll go broke um and uh, so to hear something like that is like, okay, well, I guess I'll keep making videos. You know, if, if one person, <laughs> if, that, if that gets to one person, then I've, then I've like far exceeded any expectations of going on Instagram and saying hello. Exactly. Well played, my friend. Well played. And you <laughs> found you. this Thank adorable you. puppy you posted the other day. Oh you have to gosh. give a full name just to get your person. Now, this is. Not personality. You can tell it all by the name of the puppy. I want the full name. So uh, his full name is Freddie Mercury Flintstone Mahoney Rebikoff, uh, which is an ode, obviously, to Freddie Mercury and Fred Flintstone. And um, my fiance's last name is Mahoney. Mine is Rebikoff. Um, but we call him Fred usually, unless he's like really, <laughs> unless he's like chewing a table or. Um, or, or, uh, or peeing on the floor. Um, and then, uh, we have been trying to get a dog for like the past month or so, maybe two months because Tess's entire, uh, company for a while was run the majority of, of which out of our apartment. Like she, we had a commercial mm-hmm. kitchen in here, basically. She's probably gonna kill me for saying that for like uh, code, <laughs> code reasons, but, uh, <laughs> But um, so we couldn't have one. We couldn't have one for uh, the first couple of years that we lived here. And once she found a commissary, which which happened uh, about a month plus ago, maybe two months ago, we were like, okay, we can get a dog now. Um, but we had very specific requirements for a dog. It was like we don't want a puppy because we don't have time, which is bullshit. We have we do have time. Um, we don't want a puppy because <laughs> we don't don't have time. We don't want anything that sheds because we don't want to deal with dog hair. Like it's not we're, we're not allergic. Um, and, uh, we need a very relaxed dog. So, um, we were kind of almost adopting a dog from a friend of ours who's been fostering, um, this dog named Rosie, who's so, so sweet. Um, but she loves this dog. This, this one, our friend loves this dog so much. Um, so we kind of, as a plan B, we're like, okay, maybe we'll, maybe we'll look at other dogs. And uh, right. my brother texted me on Saturday, on Sunday, my younger brother. And he's like, hey, this dog is around the corner and he's being fostered by a friend. Why don't you go meet him? And I'm like, he looks like a puppy. 
He looks like he's going to be huge. Oh, yeah, we said no big dogs. He looks like he's going to be huge. And um, also, he looks like he sheds. And he's like, just go. Like, he's around the corner. So I go, and Tess had come off of, like, she works like crazy. Um, and she had been working for four days straight, like, without more than a couple hours of sleep at a time. So she oh, was man. sleeping. I go and see this dog, and he's like, the sweetest dog I've ever met in my life. And he's like, immediately loves me. I'm like, okay, well, I guess I'll, you know, I'll I'll hang out with this dog for a few hours. So I bring him home. I like throw him on the bed to meet Tess. Um, And she's like disoriented and like, what, who, like, I I got a video of it because it's so great. She's like, who is, who's this dog? What, what's happening? And um, so I let, I, I let, I let her go back to sleep and, I texted the girl that, that had been fostering. I was like, Hey, can he spend the night? She's like, yeah, sure. So Tess woke up at like 7 PM and this dog was still here. Uh, I actually convinced her that she was dreaming for a little bit, that there wasn't a dog here, but he was. And um, <laughs> so, so I, unbeknownst to me, she was like basically drunk from being tired still. And I kind of uh, convinced her to adopt this dog while she was like, really not able to get give consent uh and i didn't know that until the next day (laughs) yeah yeah um but i filled out the adoption application uh around midnight she's like really before even 24 hours of the dog what if he doesn't sleep i'm like i already hit submit um so so and and i mean like i've i can't even describe how amazing this dog is he is going to be enormous um he's three months old he's probably about 35 pounds um, oh and his feet are like the size of mine. So um, we're, we're thinking he could be, we know he's a Catahoula mix, which is a, a, a breed that's like native to Louisiana. Um, okay. And it's starting to, starting to become apparent that he might be mixed with a great Dane. So, <laughs> um, so, but because of that, great Danes are so calm um, he's like 80% of the day, he's just laying around sleeping. We took a nap, like he's a nap dog. Um, and Catahoulas are inherently like kind of nuts. Like they need fields to run in. So it works out in that way. And, and as long as he stays chill, which like I'm knocking on wood all day, every day, then we found like a lottery <laughs> pick dog. It's, it's incredible. And she's, yeah, she's awesome. like, couldn't be happier. She's like, Oh my God, I can't believe how much I love this dog. I'm petting him right now I because why, why wouldn't I be? Hi, puppy. Um, so, yeah, that's this been great. This is the most fun, uh, random been... interview I've ever had now. I just want you to know ahead of time. I've had so much fun with this. And we are I'm just... happy to hear that. Then. Being a little batshit crazy is kind of fun. I love it. We are just being random. So much fun. I love this. Well, we got to start wrapping that's, up. We only have uh... 10 minutes left, and I want everyone to know – why Mr. Eatwell, and then where can they find these fantastic products? Like, why the name? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll be semi-brief, because obviously brevity is not, not something I'm uh, good at. Like, like, look, I'm wasting time even describing how I'm going to be brief. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> I've, always, I've always differentiated eating well and eating right. Um, because I think there's a misconception or, or a conception. I, I can't judge whether it's a misconception of eating well, being like healthy. And I don't agree. Um, so for me, eating well is like eating the best food you can whenever you can 
And so um, that's just something that's always stuck with me. And um, my initials are MR. So the Mr. is really just kind of a play on that. And I had no intention of creating a character or a nickname or anything like that. Um, it was really, it, it almost was like M-R-E. Well, I almost put periods in between the M and the R. Um, but it's really, it, it turned out to be okay. Cause um, as you've kind of mentioned, I have, uh, I have become somewhat a part of, of the brand in some way. So I have people Definitely. that, uh, that are like, oh, uh, is, uh, are you Mr. Ewell? I'm like, no, I'm Matt, but I do, uh, it is, I do have that company. Um, and where you can find my stuff is at uh, mreatwell.com um, or mr-eatwell.com or Mr. Spelled Out Eatwell.com. I covered all the bases. Um, <laughs> and and my Instagram is uh, mr underscore eatwell until I can get a hold of the mr eatwell guy who has three posts in the past 17 years and um, obviously does not use Instagram. But one day I'll get it. I'll get it. Um, there you go. I hate those guys. I hate yeah. those guys so much. Uh, I don't even know. <laughs> dude, just like give me the handle. I'll give you – like I'll pay you. I'll pay you. If I can get a hold of you, I'll pay you. Um. And yeah, I mean, I don't use Twitter. Um, I have a Facebook because Instagram requires it. But those are really the two ways to uh, to to find me. And um, there's a mailing list on the website that you can sign up for. But you, I've only sent two emails over the last five months, so you might not get uh, too much there. <laughs> Danny's hopefully will help with that soon. There you um, go. I like it. So, yeah, man, I mean, uh, that's basically the deal. And I got to say, I feel like we didn't get to talk about you at all. Uh, I, don't, I, I still know nothing about you, which I'm bummed about. I feel like this is a very one-sided conversation. Um, so I We will rectify that. that. I, I'm, I, I'm doing a big gay road trip, Matt. I'm leaving in two weeks. Are you? I'm going, yeah, I'm going from Northeast Ohio here to Palm Springs, California to do a month of live shows. And I'm going the northern route because I'm not going through Texas or Arizona right now. But I'm Good hoping w- when I come back in four weeks, I'm going there July 12th through August 12th. And I'm hoping when I come back, I'm going to do the southern route because I've never been south. So if I do, we're going to have a cocktail in New Orleans. Oh, my never gosh. I would love that. So, I would you can love learn that, please. more I mean, than you ever want to know about me. That's yes. Yeah. It would be fun. Okay. Okay, Good. Well, I'm very happy to hear that. That makes me feel better about the amount of time I just spent talking. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to be when you're on the interview, my friend. It's it's you're going to be I guess. getting used to this because you're going to be taking <laughs> off even farther than you already have. I just think, like Thank I said, you. keep Thank with you. the authenticity, keep making the videos, and just have fun with it. I think you're having fun now. It's a lot of hard work, but you're doing it at a great pace. So just keep it up, my friend. Thank you so much. And uh, I do want to give a shout out to uh, the interns, David and Hannah, who I know are behind the scenes at your show, crushing it. There you um, go. They and are also, crushing and, <laughs> and also just say hello and I love you to my mom and dad, uh, who I think might be listening. And that's that's pretty much all I got. Oh, and Jeff, my brother Jeff. He's he's like my rock. He helps me out, out with everything. Thank you, Jeff. That is That's awesome. It. I love the shout outs. Very cool. 
Miss Andrea's in the background listening to the Leopard Straits show. I love Hi, Andrea. I love it. It's uh, very cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Well, stay on the line for me, Matt. We're going to go ahead I and will. play out here. Uh, we're going to do a little country, a little Casey Lansdale with Sorry Ain't Enough. Guys, I'll be back to wrap everything up in just a couple minutes. This is the Left of Straight Show right here on Left of Straight Radio Network. Well, look at here what the cat drug in. I heard you might have lost a new girlfriend. Then knock, knock, knock. Guess who's at my door? Now you're talking like you've lost your mind. Standing here handing me the same old lines. How you want to go back to what we had before? Say there's nothing that you won't do to prove your You think that's sweet Tell me boy How dumb do you think I am Does this look like a swinging door Your little key don't fit no more I think it's time You find a better plan You're sorry, I ain't taking you back. You're sorry, I'm better than that. Cause sorry ain't enough. Try begging, try pleading, try getting down on your knees. Balling and squalling and crawling back. It's gonna take a whole lot more to love. You're dying, you're crying. Sorry, all right. Sorry ain't enough. 
And we are back. That's my good buddy, Casey Lansdale, out there in California. Also an amazing author. If you haven't checked out any of Casey's books, you need to look that up for sure. K-E-K-A-S-E-Y Lansdale. Guys, it was a great show today. Really random talking to Matt. I had so much fun, and I really appreciate uh, Jeff and Josh doing our J&J buzz, even though it was only uh, Josh today because Jeff is out of town. And a big thank you to my first guest, Carl Schmidt, for calling in from L.A. Please tune in this weekend and listen to the L.A. Pride Fest, 50 years in the making for Los Angeles. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to it myself. Tomorrow we have a great show for you. We're going to have uh, special guest Jax McGuire. He's a male drag entertainer, performs all over South and Tennessee, And then we're going to talk to John Jackson, who's actually the owner of the Indulge Resort. We'll all be spending a month of live shows in Palm Springs, California. So it's going to be two fun interviews tomorrow. As I said, be sure to follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at Left of Straight for myself, at Left of Straight Radio for Hannah and Dave and all the rest of the interns out there. Hope you guys have a great rest of the week. We'll be back tomorrow, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, and the same with Friday. We'll talk to you soon, everybody. Thanks for listening to Left a Straight Show. Bye-bye.